Welcome to the Eye of Terror. I'm your host, George. And I'm Alec. And we play 40K. Okay, obviously, as you can tell, Alec is uh, phoning it in this time. I, I get it. Because <laughs> it's a phone call. Because it's, yeah. I get, I get it. All right. Uh, uh, cool. Sure. All right. So uh, yeah. this is part two of our Gene Steeler extravaganza. Our Gene Ganza. <laughs> it's just Gino Rama. It's Gino Rama. <laughs> wall the wall Gene Steelers here. Okay, so this is definitely part two. We actually did get a chance to play a game with uh, using the new Codex rules, and so we'll get to that later in the show. But as always, we start off with hobby progress. Boy, what did we do? <laughs> what did we do this weekend, Alec? Well, models were built. Models were built. Uh, models were built and bought. Uh, yes. Well, actually, the the buying took place a few days before. But so, yes, the, yeah, I, I I was not witness to the to the buying. Part. No, no, I, I was I, witness to the. Yeah, I did that sua sponte, as lawyers like to say, on your own. Um, so uh, we added the Keller Morph uh, as part of the kill team box that comes with a bunch of, I think, acolytes. Is that right? Um, acolytes, but they can double as um, metamorphs. And as metamorphs. Okay, so we got picked up a box of that. I did pick up. Gosh, what else? I picked up the Ridge Runner, but we didn't yeah. build. We didn't build that. We didn't build that. No. No, and I and I picked up a box of aberrants. Yeah. Yes. So now we have a pretty pretty good collection of unbuilt models. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll actually be, turn out to be, I think, a decent size army once it all yeah is built. Yeah. So um, it's not that we played with sprues on the battlefield this time. We actually did build. Uh, some models. So we actually did build a number of models and um, I got a chance to prime them and uh, at least put one coat of wash on them. So uh, we'll get into the particular models that we built later on in the game when we talk about our, our particular list. But man, um, it was like frenzied model building um, here on Saturday. Yeah, it, yeah, it kind of was. It, I mean, there's why wouldn't it be? Because again, they're just, they're just some of the most detailed and cool looking models i've seen from gw uh period yeah and then we you know we felt our own internal pressure to um have the models ready for the game so of course uh, you know we spent you know many hours late into the night you know working on them and then we got hit with the uh the time change so at one moment at one moment it was like two in the morning next thing you know it's three in the morning and we're like, what are we doing yeah we yeah <laughs> i don't even that the yeah, that we yeah that i couldn't once once we get to a certain time uh in the morning you're just kind of awake yeah and you're like it's, like it's, there's it's, no it's too late you you pass the the point of i can go to sleep and now you're just like on yeah. automatic i'm just gonna stay awake as long as i can now i'm just Not yeah to, i i'm just i'm just now awake and i had going to spend an hour more trying to get sleep yeah for sure. If I if I try to go to bed, we'll have pictures yep. of our progress on the on the gene sealers, but um, not not not. Don't be impressed yet because um, they're just primed and, and washed at this point, and it's not really not really something to to, to win a golden demon award for <laughs> at the moment. Uh, they're just um, we we just gotten them ready. We literally it was it was just to get them ready for to have an actual game with them. Exactly. And not cry while looking at them. Exactly, because we we have uh, I mean we have our standards. We don't want to count as everything. We really want to have the models actually represent the, you know, the actual battlefield role that that they're there for, you know. So that's, uh, yeah, and I think that's always the preference. Is that I think there's always an air of discomfort whenever there's any sort of uh, count as. 
I know the game is abstract enough, right? And so if, yeah. you know, I mean, no one's shooting real bullets and the physics of the bullets aren't modeled by a 6D roll, you know, a roll of a D6. Um, so we yeah. want to try and inject as much quote unquote realism as we can. And that means actually playing with the models that's supposed to be. So, so anyway, just, we spent a lot of time working on that on over the weekend, just so we'd have our Sunday game ready to go. But before that, we actually did sneak away for a couple hours to see Apollo 11, the new documentary based on the uh, the mission that landed men on the moon for the first time. Alec, what did you think of that documentary? Oh, I thought it was great. The, the footage that they used was really fantastic. The way they edited it together told sort of a cohesive story of that, just the entire the launch process, the days of the mission, and then like a, for a brief amount, just a little bit after the mission. But um, I thought it was very well edited. I thought the soundtrack was uh, pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I, I, I had no complaints. <laughs> well, I'm going to say it's probably one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. I'm predisposed to like really? NASA stuff. Oh, yeah, I was I was blown away. Like, I want to see this thing again. And, and do yourself a favor and watch it on the big screen. Because what they did is that either they found or they were able to create 70 millimeter footage of the events that were taking place in the control rooms, outside with the crowds, inside the capsules, you know, for just all a bunch of different sources to put piece together. Amazing 70 millimeter footage to watch the actual mission take place uh, over the course of you know five or six days. No voiceover, no narration. There was there were voices, but there were voices from news reports that came in at the time that actually reported news reports, news reports mission control, the astronauts themselves. Right. Yeah, yeah. It was all. It was all. It was all um, recordings that were taken at the time. Right, right. So, which makes it really feel a lot more authentic, and you're not distracted by some expert with a, you know, like a, a title, some professor telling you this is how it was. You're actually watch witnessing as it's happening in front of you, and that was very, very cool. Um, I mean, it told the story of heroic people. Uh, doing something incredible, right? And, and, and the whole reaction that the world had while they're doing it in real time. And that was amazing. I think the, the trailer for the uh, documentary uh, says, like, you know, Apollo 11, the last time we were one, which is kind of true in today's divisive world. <laughs> Everybody was rooting for these guys. Everybody wanted them to succeed. Uh, it was really like I a, mean, human, he- a humankind kind of achievement. I mean, to be fair, like, it does acknowledge, like, in the middle of the documentary, like, Vietnam was happening during right. this whole thing. Well, um, it's not to say that there weren't different political differences, you know, in the world at the time. But I think in this one thing, yeah. everyone looked at the sky and said, go, you know, like, yes, we're with but it, you. And but it's, and it's also important to note that this was most part somewhat motivated by the Cold War as a way to be like, ah, showed you commies, what's up? Not so... I wouldn't say it was like a complete showing of humanity's undivided. We did plant an American flag on the moon. <laughs> As we um, should have. <laughs> but it is, it is, it is uh, and that's not to say it's not a significant achievement. It is a massively significant achievement. It is one of the most significant achievements in all of humanity, all of humanity, period. Correct. No doubts about, no doubts about that. I just, I am glad the film acknowledges there were that at point at points that there were certain other factors that go into it beyond just pure scientific discovery and like human achievement. 
Oh yeah, I mean, in the context of 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 what was achieved, there were obviously you know gains to be made politically in terms of the Cold War, and you know who's who's the better you know culture and scientific you know advancement and all that stuff, and vis a vis the Russians. But at the same time, it was um, it was a kind of thing where everybody, I think, everybody, including including based on books I've read, you know, people within the Russian Space Administration who were you know kind of rooting for the science to win too. So. It was the competition got us there, so that was that was good. But there was definitely competition, and it was definitely like we got you, we got this one, Russia. <laughs> In a spectacular, we did, we did, yeah. You may have gotten we to the get that one. You may have gotten to the moon. I mean, gotten into space first, but uh, but we got the moon. Yeah. So it was a great documentary. Well, one thing to note uh, uh, that also ge- you know, I geeked over was the soundtrack, which you mentioned, is amazing. It's by a guy named uh, Matt Morton. And he did this really synth-heavy soundtrack that only used synthesizers and effects that existed at the time. And of course, the soundtrack sounds modern and kind of, you know, uh, Hans Zimmer-esque at some points. But yeah. it was only using synthesizers, Moog, you know, modular synthesizers that existed at the time. And you can even find some some videos on YouTube of, of Matt, Matt Morton doing composing for Apollo 11, which, of course, I geeked over. Um, and that, so that was a, a cool little detail that got added as well. Uh, and just, again, made the whole thing feel a lot more authentic and real and, and awesome. So, so that was our, that was our sojourn, uh, for a couple hours, uh, away from model building that weekend. I think there were some new models that are coming out. You want to talk about, um, the new corn models? Oh yeah. Yeah. New corn models. Just, just like a few, just nothing. No, it's not a major release, but there's like a new corn demon model coming out. Not new, not new units. But just uh, new models to replace some of the older, because uh, I think some of these guys are still in like metal. Um, yeah, I, I think it. I think at least I think maybe the Skull Taker was in metal, or maybe it was the Blood Master. I'm one of. I think maybe one of those two. But they look they look very similar to the uh, old corn models, but they're just a lot more detailed. Yeah. There's a lot more. They're wearing a lot more jewelry. <laughs> yes, they they had they they're blinged out. They have more skulls and more detail, which is the important thing. Skulls oh. and detail. It's it's it, the the new the really new stuff are well. I, I guess they're I guess they're objective markers of some kind, or you always you can use them as that, or maybe terrain. The giant weeping the, the, the weeping skulls. The weeping skulls. The we, the uh, floating corn symbol, which I think is emerging from a pool of blood <laughs> right uh, which is awesome and a and a fiery axe planted in the ground yes these are some of yes yeah, really really some of the most heavy metal looking pieces of terrain i've ever seen uh i may just want if they sell that separately in a box set we may just get those because uh they are the most grim dark objective markers i've ever seen they're the weeping skulls yes. the, the skulls weaving blood are a must get that's 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 quality product. That's ten out of ten Grim Darks right there. <laughs> ten out. It it really is something special. Yeah. The other there's a new corn altar, which I guess makes for a skull altar, which is you know it's got the big corn symbol on the top of a staircase. Uh, I guess. I mean, it's a cool yeah. piece of terrain if you're want to create a hellish landscape. Yeah, fine. It, it's fine. I, I think I think it's probably more fitting for a. Uh, Sigmar. Yeah, game, true. And more fantasy maybe. based. Yeah. It feels more fantasy based. 
And then, and then there's the new um, the flesh hounds, which look a lot like the old flesh hounds, but again, with more detail. And I just don't like the whole look of the flesh hounds. The whole like um, cobra or bat bat faces, whatever whatever that sort of extension with I, I, the bone and stretched out skin. I don't know what it is either, but it's ugly and, and looks bad. And GW, you should feel bad for making these models. Well, that's that's pretty harsh. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I don't think they're anything special, but well, they could they could redesign the the flesh hounds because they're so ugly to begin with, and they they redesigned them, but all they did was make them more of the same ugliness. I, I, I they're, they're horrible looking. They're just to me, they're, yeah, I'm not. They're not hideous. I think they're hideous, not in a good way either. They're uh, fine. They're uh, fine. Uh, it's not my aesthetic. And it's not my aesthetic. I, 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 okay, okay. Uh, yeah, I don't know. They, they seem average. I don't particularly like the bat wings either, but it, it's, it's just to differentiate them, I think. It's just a way to attempt to differentiate them from other generic yep. dogs. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, fine. The other piece of news is that Shadow Spear is now out, the new box set that has the Vanguard Marines and the new Black Legion models. And those are awesome. Those are amazing. Um, just love the models in that set. Um, not that interested in the whole Vigilus campaign, although I hear it's pretty cool. Um, there's a lot of cool narrative-based missions there. And I don't know if we're going to get this box set. What do you think? Um, I don't know. Uh, I think we... Does it have anything we really Absolutely got to have. Or? Well, I, you know, I'm, I like... The look of the Vanguard Marines. I, I I know that it's part of the, you know, progress into the eventual Primaris Marines replaces all old Marines. But um, I really do like the look of them. For the most part, the the floating auto cannon guys, kind of goofy. I I kind yeah. I, I, I kind of still like them for what they uh. represent, <laughs> but they are their poses are uh. like. Like they're like uh, like children playing Space Marines got caught in a whirlwind with, with, with weapons like that are too just, big for them. They look like they're in a bouncy castle. Yeah. This whole new like floaty, yeah. this like this new floaty look for the Space Marines with jump packs. Yeah. I do not like it. I do not care for it at all. Yeah, it started it, with the Inceptors, really, and now it's 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 being yeah. promulgated by the, these guys. Yeah, I think it's. Those are the weakest of the mo- of the models, I think, of, of this line. Yeah. So, um, not not crazy about those. I do like the other Marines. Oh, the new snipers, the new scout snipers, are completely awesome. Amazing. Yeah, those look cool. Those look good. Yeah, those look fantastic. Uh, the Vanguard are. <laughs> I appreciate that some of the va- two of the Vanguard models have uh, are just holding pistols out in like that like cop in like that tactical cop hold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's right. like they're actually like aiming the thing as opposed to the one-handed. As if you're just uh, yelling into the air and holding a bolt rifle in your hand. <laughs> These yeah. guys are actually aiming, so that's an improvement. That is an improvement. I think I think, uh, I think uh, GW is is starting to like catch up to some of the other model makers in terms of like getting away from heroic poses and moving, doing more dynamic action poses of the things you're supposed to be doing, like like shooting. Right, as opposed to just yeah. like you know yelling things about the emperor. The, yeah, I mean, I think I think they have really upped their uh, pose game as in terms of the uh, 
you get more of a sense, yeah, you get more of a sense of what the characters are actually meant to do and how they move in the world, um, which has been great for most everything except the floaty models. But beyond that, they're wearing a new Mark 10 form of armor that is modular that basically can be um, adjusted for the mission. And the, the guys in these box sets are wearing Phobos, the Phobos variant of the Mark 10 armor. But it's, it's, it looks very tactical. A lot of strapped on like pouches and things like that, like kind of SWAT guys or like U.S. Marines that, would wear. And I, I like that look. That feels, I think it's cool. The looks good. That feels a little too high tech for the uh, Imperium. You modular think? armor. Okay, I know. Well, uh, you know what? Gulliman is changing things up. Hey, call, yeah, well, I mean, you know, modernize this army, would you? <laughs> He's like, okay. <laughs> next next thing you know, you're going to have next suits and be shooting pulse rifles. This is not. <laughs> hey, this, why not? Is, why not? Why not just borrow some of the technology from the filthy Xenos if it works? Right? Death, tech, Death tech Watch Harris, is already Death do Watch doing it. <laughs> do you not know what heresy you speak? <laughs> there's, there's a greater good. And a, we can use an affront to the machine <laughs> god. All right, whatever. Send the Inquisitors. Absolute, I don't care. Absolute nonsense. Yeah, I think I don't think yeah, Gilliman so, can complain about this stuff. It was this heretical sort of technology that got him back, anyway, right? He's, oh yeah, no. He uh, seems uh, to be so turning a blind but, eye when it comes to call stuff that helps him. So I'm, I'm sure I'm, I'm sure I know I, Gilliman, I'm sure is all on board with the advancement of technology. Well, he's still, he's still looking around going, what, what, in, in <laughs> what Sam did I wake Hill? up to? <laughs> yeah. What in what Sam Hill? <laughs> right. Um, he's like a Necron yeah, that just woke up and went like, what happened what, to the galaxy? <laughs> what did you, what did you do to my world? <laughs> what did you, right. What is this? No, he's not. I don't think. I don't think he's too pleased with any of the development. So I'm sure he'd be fine with some technology advancement. Yeah, I'll be. I'll, I'll be interested. I'm, I'm hope that they write more about like, fish out of the water stuff with Gilman. That'd be funny. Um, <laughs> a comedy, a comedy series of books of like <laughs> King Arthur's, like a Yankee in King Arthur's court kind of a thing. <laughs> yeah, yes. It's a. It's he's a much. He'll be a much sadder Captain America. Yes, exactly, exactly. Well, let's hope. Hey, speaking of which, we haven't gotten our um, Warhammer Adventures book yet. We have to, I think they're out now, so we have to, we're going to have to remind ourselves, audience remind us to please get the Warhammer Adventures book because we can't wait to make fun of those. Now, do we want to get, do we want to get both the uh, book, the physical copy, because we're going to need like two of those for our individual reading purposes, and the audio book. Um, I'm really, I kind of really, yeah, I'm kind of really want to hear David Tennant read it. My preference is that we get the audio book, but, but fine. I'm, I mean, fine. I'll, I'll, I'll read the actual book itself if I have to, whatever. Fine. For the sake of our our audience, I'll read something. (laughs) (laughs) I won't just watch it on Netflix. A a Herculean task, but one that I think we'll manage. Yeah, we love you, audience. See what we do for you? We read. All right, let's take a little break. What we're going to do is we're going to actually go into an interview with uh, Jeremy Luth. Jeremy is um, over at Next Gen Games in Los Angeles here, and he joined us to talk about uh, their new kilting campaign, which starts imminently. So with that, let's go into our interview with Jeremy. 
So we're here at uh, Next Gen Games with Jeremy Luth. Talk a little bit about the Warhammer community here in uh, L.A. Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hey, George. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for being on the show. So tell me a little about, uh, here we are actually uh, recording on location at Next Gen. Uh, I can see the room is starting to fill up with excited Warhammer players. Yeah, a few Warhammer players. Uh, tonight will actually be our X-Wing night, so we'll have some of our, our X-Wing players hanging That's out That's fine. With us. I'll allow it. <laughs> You'll allow it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, it's all Wargamers. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But uh, you do have, like a, uh, unlike a lot of uh, hobby stores, uh, Next Gen seems to really focus on Warhammer. I'm looking at a, a very large wall full of uh, Warhammer, Age of Sigmar, M40K, including a lot of hobbying supplies. Tell me a little bit more about Next Gen game and its connection to Warhammer. So we're kind of in a special spot in that um, I've been doing 40K for a while, War, Warhammer 40K, uh, all of the Games Workshop miniature stuff. But this store hasn't, not, not in, in its full lifespan. Uh, I'd say that we've been doing 40K for about five years now, five mm -hmm. years. And we've kind of slowly built up from a very small selection to being, I, I feel, one of the, one of the bigger uh, 40K spots in, in all of Los Angeles now. And we just moved locations, so we moved to, to uh, off Pico Boulevard, kind of in the mid-city area. Uh, and since we've gone to this new location, we were able to kind of think about who we were and what we wanted going forward. And one of those things that I definitely wanted, and I think we as a team wanted, was to, to bring in 40K and to make this, this space something special for, for Warhammer and Age of Sigmar and everything, all the great stuff that Games Workshop has been, been doing recently, like Kill Team. Yeah, like the standalone game and stuff. Like all the standalone stuff. And I've absolutely seen the evolution of, uh, of the retail space dedicated to Warhammer over the years. I think when I first walked into Next Gen Games, you had a small corner of the, sec of the store dedicated a, to Warhammer. Yeah, uh, a small, poorly lit uh, corner that, that <laughs> yeah. I had carved out as, uh, as, as my section that I would build the 40K community out of. And now if you come in, there's, there's a big wall with a bunch of forward facing stuff and you can see games workshop very clearly, but also I have like a, a, a decent, uh, paint section that I've, I've built out of some Vallejo and turbo dark and other, other paint lines and very much dedicated to the hobby aspect as well. Very much so. And it isn't just uh, the main two games, Age of Sigmar, but you also do have a lot of the standalone games. I'm looking right now at Rogue Trader, at Soul Wars. I'm looking at uh, the Orc Speed Freaks game. We're, we're kind of in, in the spot that we, we have everything. Like I have, I have Adeptus Titanicus, I have Necromunda. I mean, I, I'm a huge Necromunda fan. So right. if, if, if we have Blood Bowl, if Games Workshop does it, <laughs> if Games Workshop does it, then, uh, then we try and have it. Yeah, well, it, uh, it's a pretty pretty complete setup here of uh, a lot of games, um, plus all the latest models from from GW. Of well, course. so how, would, <laughs> how how big would you say the Warhammer community is here in and around um, it, next gen? It's, it's hard to gauge exactly how big we are. I have a Facebook group with about four hundred members. Wow, on it, but wow. that doesn't wow. mean anything. There's That's 400 true. people on that Facebook group. Right. I'd say we probably have about 30 active members on the okay. Facebook Who are group. constantly playing Warhammer. Who are, who are constantly talking and engaging with each other, and, mm -hmm. and then those people play Warhammer. We're in a pretty good spot that if you go on that Facebook group and you look for a game, you can probably find uh, a game uh, during one of the times that, that we have open. We do a lot of different events here. We're all about... 
doing different things for for the the gaming community. So we have board game nights and we have Magic the Gathering nights. But as long as there's open space, we have a lot of of open gaming going on. Is there a Warhammer night? There is Tuesday nights. Tuesday nights, okay. Tuesday uh, nights is our just open our games. Everybody open coming. games, and then Friday night. Uh, since we moved to the new location, we can afford a little bit of space. Actually, a lot of space. We have mm-hmm. six tables set up regularly um, towards uh, war games that we've we've been able to have people come in on Friday nights too. Great, and I know in the back you've got a lot of uh, community terrain people can use. Uh, that's actually something community-wise uh, that just in general, if you can see your community start to do this thing, it's really rewarding. Right. Um, I've started to put together terrain and give it out to, to some of our, our community members to go out and, and paint, and they've done a fantastic job. We have some really fantastic painters, uh, and they've, they've done great work. And so it, it's really... we're. It feels really good because everything I put in, I get matched by someone in, in the community. So uh, I've been building kits and I've been trying to think about how they work for 40K and the, cool, and the current rule set. And then they've just done a, a great job kind of uh, painting them up and making it look great. Yeah, it, it isn't just speed painting. It looks like people are really dedicating a lot of time and energy to, to, to making the terrain look beautiful. I mean, any local game shop like i think people kind of understand that that's that's the place that you're gonna that you're right. gonna hang out and right. if, and you just you put in what you want to want to see it yeah well it's great uh, every time i've been in here i have run into somebody from the warhammer community like yeah practically every time yeah i know it's, it's funny or you're introducing me to somebody which is great you're a great networker you're a great connector in that regard right the uh, i've played a few games here at next gen games um i have a very mixed record depending who i'm playing but i've always had fun and it's been great to to work here uh to to work here (laughs) Uh, to play here that's how difficult the games were yeah (laughs) it felt like work (laughs) well seventh edition was work eighth edition is a lot more fun eighth edition is definitely a lot more fun was there a big spike in sales after eighth edition came out we didn't really have a community until eighth edition came. Oh out. well, that's well. Tell you but, something. The, like I, I said, yeah. I've been around and you've known me for a long time. Yeah. Like the, the, when I first started here, it was just kind of my friends coming and, and mm-hmm. hanging out, and, and there was a few locals, but we didn't really have our own community. But when when the new edition came out, and I think you actually interviewed me, like the, uh, yeah. there was a lot of uh, there was a lot of interest then, and since then we've we've built up and we have we have our own community now uh of of people and uh eighth edition's been great uh i've I've seen a lot and i i've only seen it uh get better and better i think um not only eighth edition but things like kill team where you're starting to see them evolve uh different play styles is really interesting i'm actually just just to talk about like future predictions yeah I'm really excited to see the evolution of things like Kill Team uh, because of the Rogue Trader box. I'm really hoping that there'll, there'll be a point where 40K will be locked in. There'll always be new miniatures, right. but for, for the most part, like we've been moving at breakneck speeds with, with everything, like like just new release after new release and new factions and new, new armies. That's going to level out at some point and it'll leave them room to do other things. And I think Kill Team's a really good territory for that. And I'm hoping to see purely kill team factions like uh, they've mentioned adeptus arbites like all throughout uh, oh wow all the lore like so far they've started to talk about them again kind of in in gene sealer cult and i think adeptus arbites would get blown off the table in 40k but they would rock and kill team 
it'd be nice to nice to see them there. So I'm hoping to see that kind of that kind of territory explored. I think possibly that we'll first see Sisters in Plastic in a Kill Team box. You think Sisters in Plastic in a Kill Team box? Yeah, I think that'll be the first. I mean, this is just. A, you think that's the the first. I, the first time we'll actually I, exist. I yeah. think uh, true to Sisters of Battle, they're going to go big um, with with Sisters. I think you think they, they'll, they'll release the whole army at once. With oh yeah, whole, whole oh yeah, because they, they'd yeah. give like no lead in time. Like anyone who's been who's been in this community for a while knows that they used to do a lot of lead in time, mm -hmm. and now it's like two weeks and it, it's out. Uh, right. Sisters, we've seen a lot of stuff way in advance, and they they don't do that unless they're planning on something a big big kind release, of, kind of big. Well, that's I just I just bought into Gene Steelers, and so I'm in the midst of building them all right now. But if Sisters comes out next week, I'm buying Sisters. I, I have to say <laughs> that um, Eighth Edition is great. Yeah. Eighth Edition is um, is really I don't call it a, a more simplistic system. It's it's designed to be a less argumentative system. Right. That's a good uh, way of looking at it. I, I mean, that the I think that that is what they went in when they de what they were thinking about when they designed it. But it's clear that they're getting better and better at designing their codexes. Gene Slater Colt is the first codex in a while that I've read and really enjoyed thinking about what I was going to take and how I was going to build it and the different tactics that it could do. Like it was just it. It was it was a fun brain teaser. Like I, this first it was refreshing because a long time. Yeah, there was so many interlocking pieces between some of the character auras and some of the innate abilities for the cult members. Whether it's you know, there's also a lot of different ways that you can build it. Yeah, totally. Uh, to be competitive on, in different ways. Which yeah, is, up to and including great. a lot of like uh, tanks and armor from uh, you know Astromotarum as being part of it. Oh, that's yeah, that's even like a small chunk of that. Yeah, like, right. Like going pure cult, you, there's a lot of things that you can do. Like that just adds a whole another level onto it. Right, right. <laughs> I'm I'm looking forward to my first uh, Gene Sealer Colt game. In fact, and probably in this episode, we'll probably be playing our first uh, Gene Sealer Colt game. Ooh, nice. Yeah, nice. Alec Look will forward be to that. handling Gene Sealer Colt. We're going to play Space Marines as a to get a get us yeah, yeah, a baseline. That's the good baseline. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, um, you mentioned Kill Team, and I know that uh, you've run campaigns here before, and you're about to launch into a new Kill Team campaign. Tell us a little bit about that. So one of the things to discuss before I talk about doing the Kill Team campaign is mm -hmm. we do slow grows here. And mm -hmm. uh, slow grows for anyone who's not familiar mm -hmm. is the concept of you kind of have a monthly quota to to fulfill that usually involves painting a certain amount of points and playing a game. They're wonderful for knitting communities together because you, I at least I specifically try and pair people against people that they've never played before mm -hmm. uh, for those and. Uh, and people get brand new armies. So on two fronts, it's great because suddenly you have a bunch of people with armies that can play and a bunch of people are meeting each other and forging new friendships. Um, but there's only certain times of the year that you can do them because there's only certain types of the year that people have free time. Like it's really hard to do them when they start to fall on holidays. Just people, people have work and they have family commitments and they, they can't do it. So I've decided that they're for summertime. Slow grows are for summertime, so when we do them here, uh, that 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 that's their slot. So now I need to think of other things that we can do in the meantime to keep us together as a community and other fun projects. So I have I have a couple months before this next this next slow grow happens, and some people really wanted some something to help them paint their miniatures, something like that, but didn't take as much of a time investment. So Kill Team is perfect because. Um, 
It's not a lot of miniatures to paint. And also, Kill Team Arena just came out. Uh, now, I will say that Kill Team out of the box set, while that box set is awesome, and it has a bunch of terrain, and the ideas are great, if you just try and play that game straight, it doesn't feel finished. We Well, yeah, I totally agree. We played a couple of games, and we did a couple of episodes about it, and we found the game to be kind of frustratingly long and tedious because it was impossible to, to kill um, the members of the kill team, unless unless you engage in like you know melee assaults or something like that, because if you the way Alec and I play, we 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 constantly competing with each other. Yeah. So we basically set up sniper wars, and if you're hiding in cover, it was just impossible to a roll a hit and then b not 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 you know miss on your your cover save or your armor save whatever because it was just it's as as a result it just lasted forever and yeah it was it's, kind it, of, it's, kind of, it's frankly not, kind of kind of boring but but i've only played generation one the first generation of kill team so i've not played any of the new rules so the commander's box i haven't gotten that there's a lot of stuff that i still need to learn so commanders is cool yeah. it does it and i would have thought that 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 was the way to fix kill team but now having played arena i i think that arena works uh great without commanders okay uh i haven't tried it with commanders yet but uh, the Rogue Trader box is does a fun scenario in an enclosed environment, and uh, it's already fixes a lot to put it in that environment. Yeah. But then the Arena box actually already solves a couple of the problems that that you said. Mm -hmm. um, one thing is it's four turns. Let me repeat that. Okay. It is four turns. Okay. The it feels like a different game than most other 40k games you've played. I'm going to say I'm going to compare it to something that people may be mad about. And if that's not your thing, that's cool. But it is some other people's things. And uh, it plays a lot like War Machine, like doing efficiency and movement, thinking about like where your stuff can stack up and the order in which it stacks up. It becomes very important. Like there's a lot to think about with just managing anywhere from like honestly three to like 15 guys. Um, and the missions are really interesting. They involve you trying to capture objectives on, on certain parts of the board every turn and never letting yourself off it and never letting the opponent capture theirs. So there's a lot of, a lot of give and take. And you can go whole games with really out de without dealing any uh, casualties or taking any casualties and still have a really interesting game. Uh, out of it so i i was really excited about the potential for arena even before i had played games of arena so i wanted to give it every uh every chance possible it, to succeed it almost sounds like it's a fix for the first generation it's, rule set it's it's not only a fix though like they could have they could have stopped at a, at a fix but it's a it's something different than what we've seen from games workshop i think it's what they've learned from like warhammer underworlds mm -hmm. um is a different style of game like a more competitive enclosed easy to fit in in a smaller space uh kind of game and easy to uh, fit in a smaller time slot the problem with it is the box is what eighty dollars yeah it's eighty dollars for for arena right uh, and what, what comes in the box uh it will come with uh tactic cards for two players yeah uh, I think it comes with two double-sided boards, maybe three. I does forget. it come with uh, miniatures? It, uh, it doesn't. Uh, it comes with uh, with the environmental miniatures. So oh, it comes with, with doors. It comes yeah. with terrain. Right. And all the terrain that you use in it is fixed. 
the scenario will tell oh, you exactly okay. where the right. so everything that comes in the box is what you'll use. Right. So there's no additional terrain. The one thing that it doesn't come with is the core rules, which is good and bad because you don't have to buy it again if you already have it. Sure. But it's kind of annoying to have to buy it again. Right. Or buy it uh, if you're just starting from square one. Um, uh, but yeah, so it comes with the the terrain. It comes with the with the the pamphlet book that has actually. Uh, interest an interesting choice. There's there's the competitive games and there's also multiplayer competitive games. Uh, so there's uh, you can start to combine uh, the arena sets to make multipliers. That I, I haven't tried, so I can't speak to how fun those are. Pretty cool. I though. imagine that that would be yeah, that really cool. interesting and a total mind bender. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it it's 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 really good and it's hard to buy into. So I didn't want to do something like we're going to do a tournament. Mm-hmm. Right, because if I just told everyone it was a tournament and they had to do the box plus like an entry for for some store prizes, then you know they're they're spending a hundred dollars on a chance that this thing could be cool. Um, so, and I needed something in between the slow grows. So I thought, well, we'll do a tournament and we'll do a league. So we'll just spread out a tournament during the course of like a month and a half. So depending on uh, how many players I get, which it, it looks like I'll have a decent amount. I'll have about 12 players for mm-hmm. it, uh, which is fantastic. Uh, maybe even more, maybe 12 to 20. Um, uh, depending on how many players I get, we'll go for a certain, a certain number of uh, weeks to see uh, when we get a final winner at the end. Uh, and then I'm doing a little bit of a prize at the end for painting your miniatures. Uh, I was going to do the roster, uh, which is 20. Uh, we could go into the roster, but I won't right now. It's 20 miniatures. Uh, it's kind of like your sideboard uh, yeah. uh-huh. of what you can yep. pull for. Yep. Uh, makes a lot more sense when you have arena alongside it. Right. Um, but uh, but I just decided to make it easy on them, especially because it's kill team. People want to convert. And people want to put a little extra tender love and care into their miniatures. So I just said, you have at the end of this, uh, when we're done, I said May the 4th uh, is our finish date because I want to do something that's easy to remember. Um, that you have to have 100 points of your kill team painted. Uh, you have to have all of the, the terrain that comes in your uh, box painted. And that's the painting requirements. So I'm offering rewards for the top three and guys who, who play well uh, because it's still a competitive event and they'll get paired up and down by Swiss. Uh, and I'll track that all online uh, and they'll, they'll submit their scores to me weekly. Um, and then there'll be a reward for best painted, but we have some really fantastic painters in the store. Enough so that people will be intimidated by that. So I also wanted to give another re- uh, award for best storytelling, which is not only painting but a combination of like the the visual storytelling and actually literal storytelling because I'm having everyone submit half page of, of fluff of fluff of story. <laughs> That's behind, good. Behind good. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Well, like we're all nerds in the same way. Even if you're a competitive gamer, like you still you still like that little bit of story element. And people who are bad at writing was like, just give me like a requisition form for your kill team. <laughs> like that's right. cool. Right. So you expect about twelve players. Did anyone already uh, turn in their teams or turn in uh, what factions they're gonna play? <clears throat> uh, there was a vote on on different factions. Um, 
of what people were selecting. I don't have official submissions from, from most of the players. I think a lot of people are kind of trying out the rules and they're going to wait till the last minute to decide on what their faction is. And it's great because it's a kill team because you can't Are you requiring that. a diversity? Like if somebody picks Space Marines, somebody else can't pick Space Marines? No. 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 Okay. Absolutely. Everybody could that. pick the same yeah, faction. Yeah, I will say to. something like, yeah, yeah, don't try and force anyone to do anything if you're doing like community. Yeah, events. that's true. Like let, we'll, let, yeah. let people do kind of what they want within, right. within reason. Right. I was, I started off kind of hardcore on conversions. Like, like you have to, it has to be very clear, but I kind of laxed up on that. Cause again, I don't want, I want people to feel like they can, they can do their thing. Meaning they could bring in not models that contain not non GW. I have elements a guy who wants to do death watch as his kill team. Okay. But he wants to do them as chaos and theme all of his frag cannon guys as different, uh, worshiping the so, different gods. So Death Watch, but just fluffed as chaos. Yeah, yeah. Death Watch rules. And uh, and the conversions right. that he that he wants to do are are good. Uh, they're good ideas, and I want to see him do it. I just want. I just reminded him he has to be very clear with his opponent, like what his faction actually is and what his weapons are actually are. Right. When they're on the when they're on the table. Right. But part of this should be conversion, like. And the games can be played either here or at. They can be homes. played anywhere. anywhere. Once I match okay. you with your opponent, you got a week to play the game. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's about tying the community not necessarily to the to the space, but to each other. Okay, so you're setting up basically the uh, the rules, and then it's up to them to follow them and play them and yeah, and I'll and I'll and track them and I'll and right. I'll I'll be a little cheerleader for them. How do you cheer? Coach. How do you uh, how do you judge the painting? Do they bring them in or do they take photos? What do they do? Uh, on that day, uh, or uh, on a day, we'll we'll bring them in. I'll have them do photo photo evidence. I usually put together a face because most of the time this is organized through Facebook. I also have a Discord, so I'll have that as another supplement to mm-hmm. to to help coordinate them. I'll probably put together an album uh, just so that they can submit, so that I can have them by the by the finish date, like proof of of finish. But we'll do uh, we'll do a peer rating. I don't. I never feel comfortable doing um, doing uh, painting scores based off of just what what I think. I usually I usually take it from all the participants, and so I'll put a oh, I'll great. put together yeah. a little sheet, yeah. and I'll have them score each other's uh, kill teams. Right. Uh, and and that way, you know, it's it, it's fair that way. And then it's community recognition. It's not recognition from one person. It's recognition by everyone. Uh, yeah. So uh, when does the uh, kill team tournament begin? Uh, so it begins, uh, my official start date is, uh, tomorrow. So I should have my, uh, so that would be March 7th. Yes. March 7th. March yeah. 7th. We're recording this on March 6th. March okay. 7th. I have a feeling that I will have to give a week extension for some people cause I have, uh, I, I want to get as many players as, as possible. Um, I, I, I can be hard nosed about it, but. It's a new system. A lot of people are still learning it, and I've seen them still learning it. Um, and some people just want to wait till they're comfortable, and they and they honestly have that time till till our official start, so, or till I I need it all submitted and we're ready to go. Um, but we'll see how many people I have tomorrow. I have a feeling that I'm going to get a lot of a lot of people like doing their final submissions, uh, like tomorrow around like ten. All right. Well, great. Well, uh, what we'll do is make sure to follow up after May 4th, after the conclusion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe even have the winners join us on the show. That'd be fantastic. Oh, that'd be really cool. Yeah, that'd yeah be and then we can have people kind of talk about uh, Kilty Marina and, and what they liked about it. Right. Or, or didn't, like, honestly. Now you got me very curious about Kilty Marina. 
somebody wants to play Kill Team with me, and I kind of like, uh, I don't know, I haven't really, I didn't really like it that much, but it sounds to me like totally different experience. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, well, totally give it a try. All right. Well, Jeremy, well, thanks a lot for joining us today. Um, obviously, thanks for um, taking time out of your work at Next Gen. Next Gen has been uh, a really great, you know, supporter of 40K in the LA community, building a greater com greater community of players and uh, things like the tournaments and all the other aspects of, of supporting the hobby are evident here. So thank you. And well, thank thanks you. for joining us. All right, you have a great one, George. Okay, we're back. Okay, so uh, Gene right. Steelers versus Space Marines. That's that's the game we wanted to play to create a baseline to see how well the Gene Steelers do in our own personal meta. So, Alec, you played the Gene Steelers. So why don't you finally, fin finally, after talking about him for about six months. Okay, uh, why don't you go over your yeah. list? All right, this was a seventy-five power level game. Just to, since we didn't have all the models built, we just wanted to account for the sort of smaller army size i was bringing out a battalion detachment with uh the acolyte icon ward a patriarch who was the warlord with two familiars and the mental powers of uh, mental onslaught and might from beyond a primus a free to free troops choice of neophyte hybrids Two squads with mining lasers and grenades, one squad with uh, shotguns and flamers, a squad of aberrants with power hammers, a squad, a clamavus, a kellermorph, a squad of 10 pure strain gene stealers, uh, one sanctus with a silencer sniper rifle that's modified by an artifact, the gift from beyond, the a squad of Adeline jackals, with a wolf quad uh, and two Lehman Russes with multi multis, last cannons, battle cannons, auger. They they're just they're just decked out. Okay, and that's and your that's army. The list. That's your list. Okay, good list. All right, um, I played Iron Hands. I, I made a commitment not to use any Forge World units because you know, they tend to be a little bit overpowered at times. So my list consisted of a Primaris Captain with the Mastercrafted. Stalker bolt rifle. He took the storm of fire warlord trait from the space marines uh, codex. Along with him yep. was a regular old lieutenant. Then our troop choices were two tactical squads, a five man unit with uh, missile launchers each, and then a five man scout squad with camo cloaks and sniper rifles. I figured you had a lot of characters on the field, and so snipers were going to have fun with that. Two reaver squads. One with bolt carbines, grapnel launchers, and graph shoots, and the other one with the combat knife and heavy bolt pistols, again with uh, graph shoots and grapnel launchers. I took an inceptor squad with the assault bolters, and then I took uh, a thunderfire cannon with a tech marine, and a whirlwind with the uh, vengeance launcher. And then finally, because I've not yet played 
with the Armager Warglaive that I painted up, I added that as my super heavy. Just really fluff, fluff wise, didn't make a lot of sense to have a uh, a Warglaive yeah. Armager in this in this army, but I really wanted. Wait, that's to, a super. That's well, a super he, heavy? he's in the he's in the heavy or super heavy, yeah, detachment. Um, yeah, he's technically a knight. He's technically yeah, a, guess, technically a knight. I guess. Yeah, but like he's like a he's a twelve wound mini yeah, I mean, knight. He's a baby knight. Like like there are dreadnoughts that are tougher than him. Uh true. True. At least, at least in like, at least in yeah, in toughness and like armor saves. Yeah, yeah I, I just kind of wanted to see, you know, how how you would play because I'd never played him before, and I and I played him as I model him, which is with the thermal spear and a, a giant chainsword, right? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a cool looking model. Cool looking yeah. model. Cool looking model. There's a better build called the Halverin that's got like like dual auto cannons on each arm that actually can pump out a lot of damage. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I didn't play it as that because um, I wanted to see how the model plays as modeled. So there you go. So that's our that's our list. Um, okay. So we rolled up the mission, and the mission was from chapter approved. It was a Maelstrom mission that called uh, something like Vital Intelligence or something. Um, it's a third mission in, the, in chapter approved, whatever that is. Third third Maelstrom mission, and in it, yeah. you got to refine your Maelstrom deck by by removing six objectives that you didn't like each each yes. each player got to remove six so that already refines the deck so you're actually left with more achievable better missions suited to your play style and your army right yeah we set up six you have, you have go ahead you have you have more of a sort of almost advanced tactical option so you can understand like oh what can i achieve what can't i achieve it's a nice little change of pace yeah, it added a little bit of uh, meta gaming in advance of the game, which which is cool. It made you think about yeah. you know what what missions were more likely for you. Um, there were six objectives on the field, um, just so they could be milestone missions along the way, and then uh, you won the table sides and deployment zone uh, roll off, and then I won the uh, roll off to deploy first, and so I did deploy first. Uh, this this particular mission required us to both deploy our entire armies in one shot, as opposed to you go, I go deployment in eighth edition. This was an old fashioned. I set up my entire army. You set up your entire army. So I set my entire army because I knew the gene stealers were going to hide in those ambush blips. So I figured I'd just set up my army and see what, see what they unearthed. <laughs> Good decision. I set up my uh, my vengeance uh, or my whirlwind toward the middle of the map. Uh, it has a seventy two inch range, so I was going to be able to uh, hit anything on the map. And then I set up my thunderfire cannon behind a piece of big terrain because they can shoot things. Uh, it's an artillery piece; they can shoot things without actually having to see it, which is great. And then I set up a razorback. Well, I also had a razorback in my army. I set up a razorback hiding behind a piece of terrain, but still being able to see uh, on the other side of the battlefield, along with a group of space marines with a missile launcher getting sort of the lonely outpost duty just to cover my left flank. Whereas my right flank was a heavily fortified castle of uh, overlapping um, guys, <laughs> overlapping, uh, you know, uh, zones of fire uh, with uh, a chapter master because i upgraded my captain to a chapter master which allowed me to re-roll all the to hit rolls within a certain six inch range 
and uh, a lieutenant, which allowed also six inch range to reroll ones on the wound uh, chart on the on the wound on the wound roll. In this, I had Space Marine unit with the missile launchers. I had the snipers. I had the Thunderfire cannon, and I had the Whirlwind, all taking advantage of the of the reroll uh, rerollable two hits, which made it for a very powerful little um, uh, castle. So that was my yeah. that was my wow. that was my deployment. Tell tell us about your deployment. My deployment. I set up my two Lehman Russes secretly, I guess, with the uh, Colt Ambush uh, right across from your castle, um, just so I can get a, so I could get a good view of anything I wanted to leave. I set up my, and then it was right next to an objective. I set up my Sanctus Assassin on a uh, high on a piece of terrain with an objective next to him, so he was all set up quite nicely and i set up my quad my quad of my uh, outriders the adelon jackals the adelon jackals uh next a little bit very much to the right of the board um not not across from your castle but across from your uh, marines and the razorback so they could just zoom right on up there right and that was it because everything else was waiting as, in underground. As the gene stealers are wont to do. So the yeah. rule with gene stealers is that I, I went first. You didn't you didn't seize on me. I went first. Um and I didn't really move. I kind of stayed in my castle positions. But at the end of the movement phase, that's when you revealed all your actual units, which is that's the first time I saw your tanks pop up. It's kind of weird to think that you're so good at ambushing and at hiding things that I oh I missed these two tanks in the middle of the battlefield, but whatever, gene stealers. It put it it puts creed to shame. <laughs> it does. Two two tanks show up. So I, I and then you you had a lot of your army in um hiding underground for as a reserve to basically emerge later. Uh so I didn't have that many targets to begin with. I had, you know, optimized my army for dealing with hordes because you know I figured Gene Seedles were gonna have a lot of crazy cultists running around and maybe some snipers to kill off the characters. What I didn't have a lot of was high strength shooting to deal with tanks. I thought you might take one tank. I was kind of surprised to see that you had taken two Lehman Russes because now I got to deal with, you know, toughness eight, you know, how was it? 14 wound models, you know, that are pumping out tons of damage. So I concentrated fire pretty much on one Lehman Russ and I put a, I put a lot of wounds on it. And then I um, obliterated your Adeline Jackals in that first turn with my Thunderfire cannon. And I think that was that was my first turn. Uh, yes, you did. My first turn consisted mostly of the Lehman Russes staying where they are and shooting your uh, mini knight, and they managed to kill it. Yeah, first turn you killed my via my, my armager. Yeah, via combined firepower. The Adeline Jackal, I think, may have killed one marine. Uh, across the way. No, it was your that, sni- it was your that, Sanctus. Your Sanctus uh, sniped sniped one of my Space Marines. My yeah, my what is it? What did I say? Yeah, your Adeline Jackal. Um, it it was your Sanctus. Oh. It was your your assassin. Your yes, it was my, assassin. Yeah. I, I'm developing space dementia. It was yeah, it was the uh, Sanctus who managed to kill one guy. That 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 was kind of that was kind of indicative of his performance. Very skeptical snipers and it seems that it didn't help 
Well, I, I saw them as being dangerous and being able to basically reliably kill a unit, a, a, or at least they kill a model a turn. And so I just want I got rid of them uh, pretty early on in the game with my thunder, my thunderfire cannon in, in, uh, in uh, the second turn, just obliterated him. <laughs> And just like yeah. this giant artillery barrage just crashes around the Sanctus and he's just blown up. It was kind of ridiculous. I, yeah, I get, I get the feeling he would have been relatively ineffectual. He might have, other even with even without that, he might. I mean, he might have killed like a few extra attack marines across the way. But the, I mean, I think that was the big. I, I think, think he just kind of shot him because he was there. Yeah, I I don't think you can you can judge him by this game. I in in this particular game, I had castled up, and out of the thirty six inch range of this guy's sniper rifle, um, I think he's excellent at killing psychers and excellent at killing characters. I just, but I wasn't doing the aggressive moving across the battlefield thing. I was really staying uh, castled up to take advantage of my chapter master's you know two hit aura. So, um, it's, so, so maybe he would perform better under different circumstances, but I think in this one, he, he just was the wrong tool for the job. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, tell us about your turn too. So my turn to kill a Sanctus. And then I also uh, managed to kill one of the Lehman Russes. Um, finally, which just combined fire of the missile launchers from the two space Marine squads. Um, actually the, the snipers actually put a, put a mortal wound on it. And then, um, I, um, the, I think, I think I still, the, the armature I think had survived into turn two. I think it was turn two when you killed it. So I think it, it took one final little, you know, a few, a few wounds off of that, but we managed to kill, kill the Lehman Russ and that, that made me happy. So there was a cheer from the space Marines as that thing blows up. Um, and that was pretty much all I achieved. I was achieving a few victory points here and there as I was getting cards, but I wasn't really getting a ton of victory points at this point. I obviously got first strike. And I may have secured one objective. I was on my way to securing a second objective, which was a defend card. We had to stay on the objective for a couple of turns, but that was it. It was it was like killing good stuff, but not scoring a lot of points at this point. So that was my turn two. What was your turn two? My turn two was consisted of a, a big mob of aberrant steam stealers, the primus, the primarch, the primus, uh, and the Ackle, the Icon Award Acolyte, showing up in front of the castle, specifically in front of the Whirlwind Missile Launcher. And they destroyed it relatively easily. Um, well, I should say the Aberrant. Most every every other unit there was kind of superfluous, except like the Aberrant and maybe some of the, uh, a few of the bubble people. Yeah, I, I was surprised when suddenly out of the ground burrows up this giant crowd of gene stealers, including your Primark, your Primus, all the gene stealers and your aberrants. Uh, and then a couple other characters you had thrown in there. I'm like, well, okay, they're all coming into my rapid fire range. That's convenient for me. And all you really, not, not, not everyone showed up. No, not everyone showed up, That's but it. not everyone, but a good portion of your army suddenly, you know, okay. uh, comes up from the depths and, uh, and kills the, kills the whirlwind kills the whirlwind, but then is then sitting there for the next round. Yeah. Yes. So at that point, my, my, my reavers and my inceptors come in and uh, with the combined fire of the Thunderfire cannon, the captain, the lieutenant, the snipers, the space Marines, I pretty much killed everybody in that crowd. 
except for I killed all your gene stealers. I killed all your aberrants. The only thing that was left, I think, at the end of the shooting, when the smoke cleared, all that was left was the, the patriarch and the primus, right? And then the patriarch's two familiars. And then that was it. So that was that was pretty much my my turn three of shooting. Again, not scoring a lot of points though, not scoring a lot of victory points, doing a lot of damage to to a lot of um, a lot of your bodies, but not really um, scoring that many points. Yeah, I had scored a fair number of points by at, at this stage, but I think I was I was pretty close. I think I was you and I were pretty close. Yeah, we were pretty close on points. I, and it was I was winning the the killing side of the battle, but we were both very close on points. I, I think it was pretty even at this point. Yeah, the my patriarch retreated to your Razorback along with a prime with along with the Primus. I believe the Clamavus started heading back to my uh, side of the board where your Reavers had shown up to try to fight my tank. And I dropped in. That's when I dropped in the rest of the guys, which were the uh, which was the two neophyte squads or three neophyte squads, I should say, two on different objectives, uh, and one close to your uh, reavers, along with the Kellermorph. The Kellermorph was alongside that squad, and they killed, I think, all but one of the reavers. That's right. I had five. I had a group yeah. of five reavers that were foolhardily attacking your Lehman Russ. Um, I, I put them there to yeah. basically take take a, a an objective. I had to have more models on that objective than you did, and I was able to do that. But they weren't really doing any damage to the Russ, and then they were sitting out in the open when suddenly your neophytes and the Kellamorph showed up and just shot them to pieces. Yes, and didn't have much of a chance to see how the Kellamorph performed, but from the uh that small thing. Yeah, he can, he can, he can do some damage. I think he killed like three out of the four that died. He, he did because he's got this cool ability that for every successful hit he gets, he gets another round of shooting for the amount of hits he actually is able to do. And with the weapon skill or a ballistic skill of two, he's going to, he's going to get a lot of hits in that first round of shooting. So you ended up like, yeah. like he ended up getting out like 11 shots with his, with his yeah. liberator pistols. His liberator pistols, which are what um, strength? Which aren't is, they strength five shots? There's no, they're only strength four. That it's the amount. They're not like it's not an amazing gun. What makes it helpful is that it's it's just such a high amount of shots. Yeah, true. They're true. like they're like decent quality strength four, AP minus one, uh, two damage though. That's significant. Oh um, yeah, yeah, and and they just yeah, so they can they can rip apart most a lot of a lot of meq type squads well they, they certainly did that at which 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 had my reaver then you know basically backing off the tank and then making a run for it <laughs> because i did not want any more of that shooting yeah i believe i got a few of i believe i got a, some objectives off of the uh drop yeah, you. I mean, yes, your neophyte hybrids dropped onto. Um, and I mean, that this was uh, this was like I, I think a turning point in the game is that you you kept wisely in reserve three units of you know of, of neophytes, and then you dropped them onto yep. objectives like right to score points, and that was like really impressive because suddenly you you're controlling, you actually got supremacy. Yep. I mean, you you were controlling a significant part of the battlefield with uh, with your gene shooter troops. The 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 uh, tactical blunder 
of mob was redeemed by the uh, ta- the tactically good decision to hold dudes back. A wild concept, I know, but one yeah. that proved to be useful. And I think I think I think at, and in this movie, kind of see the core of the Gene Steeler army really is being just being able to maintain board control by just ha- having the ability to drop in any of your troops. Uh, yeah, and just show up anywhere on the map as long as they're nine inches away from yeah. enemy models. Um, which, which, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I mean, you seize three objectives with that drop, like, like right away, which was pretty amazing. And I think that was that was a turning point right there because suddenly I, there's thirty dudes that I got to contend with. I'm still up in my castle, and so I don't even have range on on a lot of these guys. You've you've now killed at this point my Razorback, my Whirlwind. And I think you take, oh, and you've taken out my armager. So I don't really have a lot of things I can kill or attack the tank. So I'm kind of like, okay, now what do I do? I guess all I, all I can try and do since I'm not going to win, I started, I started losing on the objective, you know, battle, the, uh, the victory point battle. So I think I shifted into the only way I can win now is to wipe you off the board. Right. So that was, that that was then that became kind of my strategy. let, Let me try and wipe you off the board. But I made a terrible tactical mistake. I overestimated yeah. your patriarch. <laughs> yes, you, you had gone in your head somehow that my patriarch was a lot tougher than he was. He's what, toughness six? Uh, he's, a, he's toughness five. Toughness five. He's, Ugh, he's, even worse. He's got, a, he's got four up armor. He's like, yeah, he's, he's, he's very much the epitome of this army, which is a glass cannon. Right. I And so for whatever reason, I thought he was like toughness six and he had like, you know, 10 wounds and that, I, I don't know why, but I just thought that he was much tougher than he was. So I purposefully avoided shooting him thinking, I don't want to waste my shots on somebody that just, it's just going to glance off of him. And so I, I didn't. And then, and then when I eventually, I, I got around to shooting at him in turns four and five and six, um, he was losing wounds like easily. And I'm like, why wasn't I doing this the whole game? What the hell's wrong with me? I would have gotten Kingslayer and I would have stopped his crazy psychic uh, attacks on my, on my army. Talk about, talk about uh, the mental onslaught attacks. Cause that was actually kind of a fun mechanic. Uh, Oh yeah. 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 Um, The mental onslaught was uh, this sort of, it was a psychic attack where when you manifested it, it's, Cost seven to manifest when he manifested it, or yeah, when he manifested it, the uh, you and the opponent had to roll off and add your leadership. And as long as you, as long as the caster keeps getting uh, getting a number higher than the unit, the you can just keep making the roll, um, and they keep stacking mortal wounds. It's uh, you have leadership 10, so with the patriarch of leadership 10, so you can just kind of keep doing that. Yeah, it's a fun mechanic because it, you know, basically you can just stack up a ton of mortal wounds as long as you keep, you know, uh, winning the, the roll off. And you've got a two point advantage over, you know, most space marines, you know, three point advantage over most space marines, two over sergeants and leaders like that. Um, and, and probably significantly more over any other kind of over any other kind of, uh, of, uh, Xenos race or like, you know, Astromilitarum race, fun mechanic, uh, in, in theory, 
I think I think you ended up uh, uh, using it not to great effect because I just I got spectacular rolls on my on my defense when when we matched up. Yeah, yeah. So honestly, the most significant thing that ha- that happened there was with that power was getting a certain objective. After I destroyed your razor back, the patriarch runs up to your the patriarch ran up to your tax squad. And I had drawn a something that was a, it was like tar- like priority objective or something like that, um, and which says that you mani- you should manifest a bonus a bonus objective that only the warlord can achieve, and that gets you free when you achieve it. You get three extra points, and the bonus objective, hilariously enough, was manifest a psychic power. Yeah. Which wow. the patriarch is pretty great at. So uh, maybe one of the most like luckiest Maelstrom draws ever. Draws <laughs> yeah, my entire life. I was kind of keeping up with you. I, I think you were still winning a little bit, but definitely keeping up with you. And then suddenly, boom! You get four victory points with that one manifestation of power. And then it's like, okay, this is not going to work at this point. There's nothing I can yeah. do except to try and table them, and that's probably not going to happen because I, I, I'm not near enough your your troops to do it. So there was just there, yeah, there was enough dudes who were spread out enough, and they just weren't. Di- they were dying, but they weren't dying at the at the rate uh, I need. Yeah, well, at the rate of of like a tabling, so they weren't. They were they just survive. I and I think that's the reality with Gene Cedar Cult is that they're they're numerous dudes. They're not high toughness, so you're gonna expect them to die for the greater good, right? Um, so they're gonna die left and right. As long as you're capturing objectives, as long as you're able to stay mobile and do the kind of things that Gene Cedar Cult can do pretty well, I think you're playing to their strengths. You're never going to, they're never going to be able to just face, you know, high powered weapons or even marine weapons and expect to survive for the most part. Yeah. The placement and board control is essential with uh, Gene Stewart Colts. I think it's what we found out. Yeah. You also use stratagems a great effect because um, your patriarch, I was trying to, toward the end, I was just trying to kill the patriarch. And it was a one point when I'm like, okay, if I can kill the patriarch, then, you know, in, in turn six, then it's possible I might be able to catch up at least play to a draw. Uh, but unfortunately you had, uh, used stratagems that allowed him to recover wounds, um, which I also yeah. paid off in huge ways. Cause I would have killed him off like at least a couple of turns ago, but you kept, you kept resurrecting him or uh, regenerating his wounds. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, if, he, if that stratagem didn't exist, he would be very much dead. Uh, and I probably, and you, uh, you could have possibly tied or, maybe even beaten me. Right. Uh, so that was pretty essential. Yeah. So the, the game ended, I think at, at the, at my turn six, because I just realized I, I conceded that after I, I couldn't kill the, um, after I couldn't kill the patriarch, there was no way I could possibly catch up on points. So I, I conceded at that point. You, I gotta say, you played the gene stealers exactly to their strengths. You played them well. You made one tactical blunder and that was to have, a giant mob appear in front of in front of short range yeah. bolter fire. But apart from that, apart apart from that, um, you you held back your reserves when you needed to. You didn't get emotional or didn't get all uh, upset because bodies were dying left and right. You just kind of ordered your troops to do what cultists do, and that is go take that objective, you know, and and, and wait for the great devouring. 
honestly, the decision to hold back reserves was the thing that saved me. That, yeah, that and getting that lucky, getting that lucky objective. Yeah, that's really true. <laughs> the lucky, the four point yeah. objective um, uh, card was really also very helpful. But, but I, well, the final score was something like, uh, it was like 14 to 10. Yeah, 14. Or, or, yeah. Or nine. yeah, I had 10. I had 10 points at the end of the game. Um, 10? Okay. Yeah. So it was 14. So that's clearly that card you know, got you the victory. Otherwise it would have been a draw. Yeah. Or if I'd killed, yeah. if I'd killed the, the patriarch, I might've, it was a couple of ways for me to score more points. Um, and then maybe gotten close to that 14, but, um, dang, I just, just couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Fun game though. It went by, even though it took us a while, uh, cause it's the first time playing the army, I thought it was a really fun game because it was, I couldn't tell who was winning really. Cause it was just so back and forth on victory points versus, you know, bodies. Yeah. I mean, it, most games kind of swing wildly towards one end or the other, but this one really, uh, it was a result where you couldn't really tell exactly how it was going to play out. So what's your first impressions then of, uh, of Gene Sitter cult, um, as an army to play? Incredibly tactical. You, yeah, your your placement, who you're holding in reserve, who is out on the field to begin with, you really have to give a ton of thought as to who goes where, when, and why. There is no like singular, ah, just line them up in a big gun line and fire away, or ah, just charge, real, just charge with real big dudes. None of that. You have to really think through precisely. I mean that. I mean this is this is the case for a few armies, but especially with this one, uh, since they're so fragile but so very deadly, uh, you may you have to make sure that the odds are constantly stacked in your favor in regard to where your guys are uh, and what they're doing. I I think that um, this army rewards a good general very much so, but it's not an easy army to play, as you say. There's there's not like one strategy you do like you know just everyone create a gun line and fire or, or advance or whatever. Um, you really have to think about a uh, placement and also uh, what characters accompany what units, because you did a pretty smart thing with overlapping auras, which allowed for extended charges. Like a lot of your guys were, especially the patriarch had the ability to move advance and charge, which is just like so much range for that one unit or for several of these units and you had characters that were buffing, you know, the ability to charge and advance too, adding one to, to those roles, which is great. I mean, I, again, having the right characters and the right mix of abilities and auras to buff certain units um, is not something that you can just easily figure it out automatically. But if you think about it and you're careful about it, I think you can create an incredibly strong mobile army that is able to be at a lot of places at once. And And as you said, Board control, I think, is the is the um, specialty of this army. Yeah, is that going to do it? I think that's going to do it. Yeah. <laughs> All think, right, I think that's going to do it. There you go. The final word. Okay. Uh, the final, final word. Do you consider called great? Um, as always, we encourage you guys to send comments. We love hearing from you. You can always send us an email at the Eye of Terror Podcast at gmail .com. We do have a Facebook page, and we'll be posting photos of the great Gene Siegler versus Space Marines war uh, on our Facebook page. They're, they're, they're not very multicolored Gene Siegler cults at this point because they're just, they just got primed, but nonetheless, check it out until next time. Then I'm George and I'm Alec and we play 40 gay. We'll see you guys soon.